Hello, and welcome back to the Glossy Week in Review podcast. I'm your host, senior fashion reporter Danny Parisi, and I'm here with Glossy's editor-in-chief, Jill Manoff. Hello, Jill. Hello, Danny. What's up? I just got back from a couple of days off. I was in North Carolina at a lake, and my forehead is peeling from the sunburn. Um, <laughs> but it was very relaxing. What about you? It's worth it. All good. I know. I got a sunburn this weekend, too. Long weekend. Wow. Look, look at us. Um, this week, we're going to be talking about a couple of things. Harry Styles is making his debut as a fashion designer, working with Gucci. Um, he's I feel like he's been sort of like Gucci adjacent for, for years now. Um, we're going to talk about Harrods delaying its annual summer sale a couple of weeks due to supply chain disruptions and then all the, uh, you know, related facts and, and issues going on there. And then finally, we'll talk about how this week uh, was New York's NFT NYC event and Every fashion brand is still doing NFTs, and we'll we'll talk about that stuff, too. But let's start with Harry Styles, Jill. So there's not a ton of details on when exactly this is coming out or how or where or, or anything like that. But it was announced this week that Harry Styles is co-designing a collection with Alessandro Michele that's called Gucci Ha Ha Ha, which is written in all caps <laughs> and immediately made me think of, like, the Joker or something. Um, but it's Ha because H-A is Harry and Alessandro. Um, they have sort of, I feel like I, I just mentioned this, but I feel like Harry has been sort of in the Gucci world for like five years now or something. Um, almost as long as Alessandro Michele has been creative director at Gucci, which I think is since 2015. This is like his seventh year, um, leading things there. So it, it makes sense that they would like do something with him. But this, as far as I can think of Jill, what other celebrity has like co-designed a collection with one of these big European fashion brands, as opposed to just being the face of a collection or being a collab, like an ambassador or something like co-designer. I, I couldn't think of any. Yeah, that's interesting. P.S. It comes out in mid-October is what I read. Hey, hey. Oh, okay, we, it does. So we do have a release date. Yes, tentative. Um, and also you were right. I heard that um, when Alessandro was appointed designer, it was kind of around the time that Harry was like went off solo and and they met mm-hmm. early on and they've been collaborating ever since. The only one that comes to mind that's interesting is, um, and I think that it was more so a collaboration, um, is like... Taylor Swift collaborated with Stella McCartney, um, mm. gosh, within recent years. Um, let me think who else, who else do you have? I mean, I have, I have none. I, I couldn't think of any, I'm sure there is an example or two out there, but like recent immediately coming to mind examples, I, I, I can't think of any, but Gucci and, and a lot of like these brands have celebrities who sort of like hover around their orbit, you know, like Gucci, Alessandro Michele and Jared Leto have like a well-established kind of twinsy relationship where they show up to events wearing the exact same outfit, kind of like look like the same person already. Um, Dakota and, uh, we, Johnson, we Dakota Johnson too. Yes. If any of these people started a collection with, with Gucci, it would make great sense. Right. And, and other brands have that too. Um, Valentino also like has people hovering around at the Met Gala, Sebastian Sand and a bunch of other people like celebrities were all decked out in like all hot pink Valentino ensemble. So I feel like it's normal for them to have certain ambassadors who kind of like, yeah, are in the orbit and like you mentioned, Dakota Johnson and and, and Jared Leto. And, and look at Kim with Balenciaga. She was the face of their campaign. Yes, that's right. That's an, that's another good example, but none of them have like fully co-designed a collection like this. So that definitely feels like a a more elaborate step. Um, but yeah, Harry has been involved with them for a while, and he also I feel like I 
people might hate me for this. I don't really listen to a lot of his music or know that many songs. I know like the watermelon sugar song from TikTok, but that's it. And um, but I feel like I hear his name constantly. He's like in the news all the time. Everyone I know loves him. So um, probably because you were in you our know. huddle and I talk about him because I love him. <laughs> okay, so you maybe you can explain the sort of like appeal or or omnipresence of Harry Styles in like the culture right now. But I just feel like he's everywhere. So as a Harry head, um, what's your, <laughs> what's your take on on him just being kind of like a, a cultural? Phenomenon. Yeah. Yeah, phenomenon. I mean, literally, he is just like all good vibes. And I think that's really timely right now when we're all stressed out. But like, almost not like granola, hippy dippy. Like, it's all just like, it's all good. Wear a dress. Be, (laughs) Mm -hmm. befriend everyone. Yeah. And the, the like, the gender challenging kind of element of it, I feel like that's a, a common thread between. Gucci and Alessandro Michele specifically and Harry Styles. And and I feel like he's been kind of, you know, banging that drum outside of his work with them already. So like that feels like a good fit. I also read that the collection is supposed to be very 70s inspired. And I feel like that's something, again, both Gucci and Harry Styles are kind of known for. And also I would say I really like the maximalist 70s kind of style that Alessandro Michele has sort of ushered in and and I feel like that's not just a Gucci thing I I see that a lot yeah very British we got like the oversized lapels and the waistcoats and and speaking of all good vibes the different kind of prints there's like a squirrel print and a cherry print and I mean this leopard suitcase is amazing (laughs) but I I have like a little pet theory of just like men's um, collar size on shirts like grows and shrinks and when I was like in high school or whatever in like early 2010s it was all like small collars and like skinny ties and stuff and now everyone has like the collar that reaches out to like your shoulder and a big honking tie and stuff and you know nothing wrong with that I just think no, just that's something I've been paying attention to is the the size and sprawl of men's shirt collars. Totally. Well, I know that Gucci is going after men's right now. There's a lot of potential in the men's market. And it was interesting because, you know, Harry does really resonate as kind of fluid and it's not all very masculine in terms of what he wears. These clothes are like, I would say they're not necessarily, there's no skirts intermixed. There's nothing really signature like feminine intermixed with these, with these clothes. And yet I would say like that was somewhat surprising. But then again, as a woman who loves suiting and loves, I, I would wear all of this stuff. I love it. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Yeah. I was going to say, Jill, you, you are really like, you love your tailoring and, and I, which I think is very cool. You always have great. I, sometimes I've seen this, like the suits you wear and I'm like, I should get one of those. For me. <laughs> Thanks, Dan. Um, let's talk about Harrods. Um, So Harrods managing director, Michael Ward, who I have met and talked to a few times. He's a lovely man and really smart. Um, On Bloomberg TV this week, he was talking about how Harrods is pushing back their annual summer sale by two weeks because of supply chain issues. They just didn't have enough inventory to fully make use of the the kind of like increased sales that they expect in their summer sale. Interestingly, he actually said they're three weeks behind on receiving inventory, but they're only pushing it back two weeks, the the sale. Um, He said he's needed still like 10% more inventory uh, before he felt comfortable kind of like starting the sale and moving into kind of like the second half of the year, um, you know, planning and stuff. I just thought that was interesting because um, we have been 
talking about supply chain stuff for like two years and there's all sorts of innovations and planning and preparations and stuff that people have done. And it's like still such a headache for so many people in the industry. It's just, it's interesting that that problem has not fixed itself and does not seem to be fixing itself. Yes. It'll be interesting. I know that this is a summer sale they have on the calendar. So, and this is not the first time that they've shifted a, like a signature sale. Zofia in December wrote about Herod's back in December. Like you said, this has been lingering. Um, and they bumped up ahead their, their Christmas sale because what is it even called? Anyway, a Christmas timed sale um, by 10 days. And then when it usually starts on Boxing Day, they were going to ramp up the discounts even more um, just because foot traffic was low and they wanted to I get, get the most bang for their buck with this sale um, and really, yeah, drive sales. So it's going on and on and on. What's happening here? It'll be interesting to see what happens with Amazon Prime Day around the corner and all of the the competitive sales um, coming up in a couple of weeks um, in terms of inventory. You think excess inventory, generous discounts, yeah, but then there also needs, they have to have new inventory to kind of balance out the, what are they going to have left? Yeah, exactly. And this is an area where I think luxury like needs to be a little more worried. Like, Jill, you, you and I and the whole Glossy team, we're all working right now on stories about a potential recession coming and all the stuff that's going to happen there. And one thing that is always noted about recessions is that luxury brands tend to not be hurt too badly by them. Um, there was just actually a report this week from Bain that luxury sales are up and will probably still be up throughout the year, even if they're like a little bit slowed down, And but everyone else is going to be hit much harder. So luxury always tends to be like, kind of okay th- through hard times like this, but they are not immune to supply chain stuff. And that can hurt them in a way that maybe like depressed spending doesn't as much. Um, and the inventory stuff, and especially if they're forced to discount when they don't want to, like that kind of stuff is the things that the luxury brands and retailers worry about more than, um, frankly, like normal people having less money because that's not as much of an issue for them. For sure. I, you're, it's a really good point. I... I don't know. I feel like now's the time when the sale goes on, scoop it up. Like, I feel like for a long Mm -hmm. time, brands, you get too deep in one way or another. Like they were short inventory. I think it was like the time to like, I don't know, load up, stock up, like get in there. And now they have so much, they're clearing out their, their new inventories coming in. Like, I think it'll be a while before they go on sale again in terms of, I don't know. This is tough. They go too far one way. Yeah, definitely. And early on in the pandemic, I think the prevailing mistake that people made was um, having too much inventory that they were sitting on. And that hurt them because, you know, when then nobody was buying stuff or when their orders were canceled, they just like had all this extra inventory. That was the beginning of the pandemic. Now it's much more common that the I think the the problem is not enough inventory because stuff is so slow and it's such a pain to get it. And so I, I think it's really easy to overcompensate one way or the other for either problem overshoot um i hopefully one of our recession stories in this upcoming week is going to be on inventory management specifically um and we'll we'll dive into all of the ins and outs of that but it's i i don't envy people who have to oversee that situation because it is really tough for sure and like i said it does not seem like it's getting any better yeah and everyone's saying you know we we're not long-term planning or we we have a long-term plan but we're remaining nimble of course a lot of these sales are around holidays and there's really limited flexibility but 
Um, you see Amazon Prime Day's Lucy Goosey, like it t- tends to say, like, when is it happening? And I guess they, they define it on their terms. But I think that we'll see more of that. Like there won't be any of these specific calendar dates. We always have a sale yeah. now. One final thing, like nimbleness, you're, you're so right. Like people talk about it all the time. Remaining flexible, remaining ready for rapid changes is like such a valuable thing for for the the industry right now however it kind of is tough because it means you never really get to invest too heavily in one area and like something like a big summer sale where you know there's going to be a ton of sales and stuff if you really just like go all in like you know buy super heavily into inventory and then you'll have tons to sell you know like that can be a big win but if you're focusing on nimbleness and flexibility and you don't want to buy in too much you also might not necessarily see the, the most benefit that you could have gotten. Um, but that's like the trade-off I think a lot of people are making. The the being ready to shift at a moment's notice, I think, has proven to be more valuable than, you know, individual big payoffs for a big bet. Right you know on. I mean? Agree. Finally, let's talk about this week was NFT.NYC. NFT NYC. I don't know how people are saying this out loud. Um, but it was a <laughs> week-long NFT event um, in New York, a, a lot of fashion presence, um, a bunch of brands like Rebecca Minkoff, Burberry, Champion were all there. They held events, they dropped NFTs, they worked with NFT companies. There, there was just a, a lot going on. Um, my my first question to just throw out there is like, are we at NFT set saturation yet at this point? I feel like every day or every week I get like, Prada's doing NFTs, Burberry's doing NFTs, like every, you know, every brand is moving there, which we've like, you know, we've talked about it on the show and we've covered it on Glossy, but I'm like, can the, like, can this be sustainable? Is it, are there enough people buying NFTs to justify all of the NFTs? I mean, not anymore. <laughs> I feel like we, but like, <laughs> you missed the boat. I feel like it was really, really hot and now it's fizzling, obviously with what's happening in crypto, which you've written about. Um, and also, I don't know. I heard that NFT NYC's happened since gone on, been thro- been held since 2019, which I didn't know. Like, I feel like right. this is like blowing up in my, for me, and it definitely in terms of brands taking part. Um, but yeah, I definitely feel like in terms of the buzz, it's fizzling a little bit. Yeah. There was um, a Washington Post article that said in February, there was about $4 billion worth of NFTs sold per week. And as of May, it was less than $1 billion per week, um, which is still, I mean, a, almost a billion a week is a lot. Like, it definitely, I'm, I'm not saying that, like, nobody's buying this stuff, but definitely is evening out, like, f- like fizzling, as you say. It's not quite the, like, um, you know, gold rush that it was last year. Um, and then the, the, like, stuff going on with the crypto market, like you said, has definitely had an impact, I think. The, the board Ape Yacht Club saw sales drop like 25% since um, the last week or the week before, whenever that started. Um, what I'm hoping is that the kind of evening out uh, or, or slowing down of this market will hopefully convince people that there might be other ways to kind of explore this space. Um, and, and I should point out Re- Rebecca Minkoff, who we've talked about as always being kind of forward thinking and willing to experiment, like some of the NFT stuff she's dropping this week are not just like, it's an NFT. It's like a, a JPEG of one of our dresses, like just buy it. It's like more interesting kind of stuff. It's it's tied to real world things. There's like one of the NFTs is like 
gets you access i mean gives you the ability to purchase like a one-of-a-kind actual handbag and from the, from the very beginning i've always said like i feel like this technology has a lot more application than just like speculative like just buying an asset just for the hopes of selling it like i feel like there's lots of ways you can tie it to real world stuff um you know events actual products that you get and like the nft is involved in the authentication or so, you know something like that i just so i'm hoping that like the slowdown and and the fact that you can't just like make a you know millions of dollars off just like buying and selling the nft on its own will inspire some more creativity and how this this whole space can be approached. Yeah, I think that's where it has the most potential for brands. Um, and I think it, brands are starting to get it. Like you said, Rebecca Minkoff, it all reads as kind of a loyalty play. Give you ex- If you get the NFT, you get exclusive access to XYZ. Um, and, mm-hmm. and also you even get exclusive access to shop the next drop of NFTs, which makes mm-hmm. sense to if you want to get in there and, and kind of wait and see what's to come. If you know that you get great experiences, if you become a NFT holder, I don't know what you call it. Anyway, um, then there's something there. But also at the same time, all things are coming together. Like Shopify just launched, released a bunch of new um, functionality or tools. And one of the things that they're offering brands is uh, so- somehow facilitating the, this NFT loyalty, um, linking with with brands that are offering NFT to, to give give these perks um, through their websites or what have you. So um, yeah, functionalities there, brands are getting it. Um, I think we'll start to see it veer toward this, this model. Yeah, I hope so. And I feel like early on, like maybe, you know, late 2020 before like it really kind of went crazy in 2021, there was more discussion of some of those kind of more practical ways to use it. And then uh, that guy Beeple sold like a, a, a single NFT for like however many millions of dollars. And I think everybody just got dollar signs in their eyes and they were like, that's what we just need to purely just drive up hype for like a, a for NFTs as like an asset for investors rather. And then all that kind of extra more practical stuff kind of got left in the dust. So um, yeah, we'll see if that uh, actually happens. I hope so. Um, there's also the, the question of like how a lot of metaverse stuff is kind of mimicking things that have been done in video games for a while. A lot of the, things that and if i see people talk about with nfts i am sort of like is this is doable without nfts too though so it's like they still i feel like to for me i still need to see like a more convincing reason why it ha- why something has to be an nft and couldn't just be you know some other form of verifiable tag or token um especially given what is to me this still unresolved question of NFTs not being great for the environment and not squaring with a lot of brands, um, sustainability kind of goals and, and talk and stuff. So I'm still hoping for some, some more convincing and, and have not seen it, but, um, but there's, like you said, there's promise that there's people looking into more interesting ways to use the technology. But like you said, like, why can't there be a loyalty program? This just a loyalty program with different tiers. What does the NFT have to do with it? (laughs) Exactly. Exact. No, that's exactly my question. It's just like, I, I still to this day, I feel like that question for me personally has not been satisfactorily, satisfactorily answered. Um, <laughs> Can we just add that the what I heard about most during NFT NYC was that there was a Snoop Dogg impersonator rounding. <laughs> yes, the I saw that. That's like the biggest thing that I heard to come about. <laughs> of it which there was, yeah. it was a big event this was this is not like i'm sure there's more to it but man that got some buzz 
<laughs> I saw that. I think Snoop Dogg even chimed in and, and called the impersonator dupe snog or something like that. <laughs> I did. Yeah, I did. Sounds see about that. right. As always, Jill, thank you for being here. Um, for those of you listening at home, if you have not given us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, wherever you're listening to this, please do so. That really helps us out a lot. And if you haven't subscribed, you should do that too, because you'll hear me and Jill talking every Friday for the Week in Review. And also every Wednesday, Jill interviews a notable person from the industry. Um, they dig into all sorts of interesting topics. Jill, who's your next guest? Up next, we've got Amira Rasool. She is the founder CEO of The Folklore, which their specialty is bringing African designer brands to the States. Ooh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's all from us. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.